Hello and welcome to the Wellness Trinity Podcast, where we interview top holistic experts and bring you natural solutions for modern day wellness. Let's get started with your host, Dr. Jacqueline. Hi, welcome. Thank you for joining the Wellness Trinity Podcast. I'm Dr. Jacqueline from thewellnesstrinity.com, where we provide natural solutions for modern day wellness. So due to this special election coming up, I thought it would be very important to talk about how politicians affect our health with state representative candidate, Justin Forsman. Just a little disclaimer before we get started, what we discuss in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. What you do with the information is to be used at your discretion as the recommendations are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So I, found out about Justin Forsman just recently, actually, and I was baffled with what he represents. Um, You know, being in natural health, I'm quite aware of a lot of things that are going on that are affecting people's health. And I I get the backlash of it, of helping people cleanse from toxins like glyphosate and fluoride, et cetera. And um, now I work with CellCore and I work with practitioners and I train them how to do this. So when I came across a politician that was kind of on the same wavelength of we need to get this stuff out of the water and we need to just we need to clean up the environment, um, I, I, was, I was surprised, honestly. I didn't realize that there were people out there that were um, trying to get into government that actually were for, for these things too. So the fact that he's into natural medicine seriously, seriously intrigued me. So the purpose of this special podcast is to promote the the you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if we don't take care of some of these issues, you know, some of this can really be robbed from us. So Justin, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So Justin, I know you have a very, very um, just amazing story of how, why you're even doing this in the first place. Um, Let's just start with when you were a child, I know that you dealt with some foster care and some homelessness, I mean, I. That just intrigues me of how you came from that and then what you're doing today. Yeah, well, I'd say statistically, I should be in prison or should be dead, basically. I, uh, I was raised by my grandfather out in a farm in Damascus, Oregon, and he had a heart attack when I was about 10 years old. I was kicked you know, around a little bit to family members and eventually ended up in the foster care system. And My mom ended up signing me away. She didn't want to take care of me. I became a ward of the state. And so I'd be in and out of foster homes. And, you know, I didn't know that I was signed away to the state. So I would just constantly run away from these foster homes, going back to my family. And they would just call the cops on me. I'd go to juvie. They'd send me to another home. I'd repeat the process. I probably did this about, you know, 20, 30 some times. And in Washington state, it's against the law to be a runaway. And so, you know, I would, I would basically do 15 to 30 days every time they catch me and then they throw me in another home. And, you know, when you're in that kind of situation and you kind of get kicked around, you know, sometimes you have a tendency to act out or, or whatever, you know, and I was often on, on the streets and trying to survive. And so sometimes I would get caught stealing food. Um, You know, eventually I got in trouble and got sent to boot camp. And it's in east, Eastern Washington, it's called Camp um, Connell, J-O-B-T-C, Juvenile Offender Basic Training Camp. And it was like a four month extensive boot camp program where it's all like run and hosted by Marines, uh, Special Forces, and 
you know, there was one of the first opportunities where I learned uh, my, my ability to have a leadership type of role. I became what's called the boot camp command leader. I was in charge of the whole, um, I was in charge of three platoons. I was involved in um, getting everybody up in the morning, uh, getting everybody going for physical fitness. I would lead marches, yell cadence. I'd lead uh, six mile marches every day through town. I was in charge of getting the barracks clean. So, you know, that was one of my first opportunities to have a leadership role. I loved it. It gave me, um, once in my life, finally I had stability. I had an ability to uh, learn discipline and it definitely gave me an appreciation for the military. And, you know, my family, my grandpa was um, a World War II veteran. And so, you know, I definitely idolized, um, you know, that, that role joining the military. And so after that, I went to a group home and, you know, just slowly started building my life. And, you know, it was rocky at that point, but, you know, um, you know, I, I did, I got in trouble once more when I was 18, I, I ended up stealing some stuff and I actually got, you know, gotten a little bit of trouble. And it was in that moment when I had that little bit of trouble where I had enough time to sit and think about what I was doing with my life, the, the path that I was going. And if I died, I, I came to the realization, I didn't want to be remembered as a criminal. I wanted to be remembered for greatness. And so I started studying, reading books, and that was when I pretty much was awakened, you know, to our surroundings and our government and some of the lies that were fed. And I, I realized our whole system is based on fraud. It's based on lies. It's based on fear, intimidation. And at that point, it was a, a big turning for me. And then I started going down the right path. Wow. So you were only 18 years old when you had this epiphany. Yeah, it was about that moment when I started changing my life and, and really start, starting going down the um, straight and narrow. Yeah, well, I can only imagine, you know, when you're in foster care and, and when your family's not stable, it just family in general, a family is not stable for a person. I mean, it can really just spiral into, um, I mean, there, there's just so much that trauma does to a person and, and you're just trying to find love. You're trying to find a place of comfort and, and peace and, I mean, I, I come from a loving family, but I've been in places and times in my life where I felt like this and chaotic and not stable. And I mean, sometimes we just, we just don't make the right decisions during those times. So um, I'm excited in, that you early on in your life had that kind of like come to Jesus moment where you're like, no, you know what? That was then. And I, I really want to do something with my life. And, and, and this is, this is the path you found. So I was in my twenties when, when I discovered more of my lane like that too, where I just like, this is not it. <laughs> so yeah. I really respect that you found that early on. I mean, how many people don't find that till later in their life where they're just are fed up in their forties, midlife crises. Yeah, it's really sad. I'd say when I did do some time when I was very young, I seen people in their forties, fifties, sixties, who were just, you know, still going through the system, still figuring it out. And I looked at these people and I was like, geez, you know, I don't want to be like these people. I don't want to be in my forties, my fifties and be locked up in jail. Like what kind of life is that? You know, and just think um, somebody trying to start, you know, from from being in trouble and trying to start over with their lives, doing it at a young age is a lot easier than trying to do it when you're 45. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. You got a lot of responsibilities and who knows, there might be other people involved and children, et cetera. So let's kind of let's shift gears a little bit. And I, I want to talk about some of the things you stand for. So one of the things that's 
stuck out to me was that you want to get the fluoride out of the water. So let's let's talk about fluoride. For those people that don't know about fluoride, um, what is it and why do we need to get this out of our water? Okay, so fluoride is quite often a byproduct and it's byproduct from smelting. And um, so we have a plant, it's, an, it's not there any longer, but we still have effects of it. We had an Al- Alcoa, which is an aluminum processing plant that actually one of the main ingredients they use to process aluminum is fluoride. And so what they learned early on is that they could pump this you know, toxic waste into our water system and instead of having to pay lots of money to you know, dispose of it. It's more expensive to dispose of it, but they actually make money by putting this, uh, these chemicals in our water. And so I grew up mostly in Portland, Oregon. And in Portland, it, it's all about no fluoride. So it's funny, um, here in Vancouver, I've been trying really hard to get fluoride out of the water. In Portland, there is no fluoride in the water. It's highly liberal. And Portland's like one of the you know main liberal areas here in the United States. And it's funny that here in Vancouver, those are the people that I get most of the pushback from or the, is the liberal left-wing um, partisan people. They, they call me a conspiracy theorist. But yet they don't have it in the water in Portland. And they haven't had it, and they've been fighting since the 50s to keep it out. Mm-hmm. But you can pull up. If you look up fluoride and you key in the word rat poison, you'll find products that the sole ingredient was sodium fluoride. And they use this to kill insects. They use this to kill rats. And so... Um, it was actually found out in the Nuremberg trials that Hitler had learned, um, and apparently he had learned from the United States, that if you put fluoride in water, it makes people more docile. It, um, it lowers IQ. Harvard has done studies that show at certain parts per million, uh, children drinking uh, fluoride for a 10-year period can lose up to 10 to 15 points of their IQ. Um, it's linked to hypo and hyperthyroidism in women mainly and you can see that it stores in your bones it accumulates to um or it results to hip fractures mostly in elderly people you see the little white spots on people's teeth well that's over fluoridation there's basically um calcified uh spots on their teeth and that just shows that they're being over fluoridated and um it's been basically deemed by the epa that we're putting too much fluoride in our water as it is and it's very minimal and uh, so I, I learned, I'd say, from watching shows like Alex Jones, Coast to Coast, uh, books like David Icke um, that has written about the dangers of fluoride. And I did research on my own, and I figured out that it was just super deadly stuff, and it does not need to be in our water. And the argument is, is they'll say that it's good for your teeth. They say, hey, you know, it's really good for your teeth. We need to put this in the water. But a great argument that I've heard is, you know, suntan lotion is great, you know, right? We put it on our skin, it protects us from the sun, but we don't put it in our water. It would make no sense for us to drink suntan lotion. It, would not, it wouldn't help us at all. So it's like if you put fluoride in mouthwash, if you put fluoride in toothpaste, and you rinse your mouth out and you brush with this, it does work to kill bacteria, but we spit it out. And that's if you take um, two tubes of toothpaste, right, you take... Um, from the same company. You take one tube of toothpaste with fluoride, one without, and you look at the labels. The one with the fluoride is going to have a poison control label, and it's going to say, if, you know, if swallowed, contact poison control immediately. And it's just a prime example 
of the toxicity of fluoride and that it should not be something we should be ingesting. Right. Yeah, when I used to work for a dentist, actually. <laughs> I worked for a dentist for two years, and she was a little bit more into being healthy than maybe the, the next average person, but she still put fluoride on these kids' teeth, and it broke my heart. I was on scheduling this, these appointments, and I, I just... I, I know that it's not good. I know that you know there's a certain amount that is just way too much, and so um, I, I'm very much against it as well too. And, and that's why I'm glad that you're trying to get that out of the water. I'm, I'm actually surprised that Vancouver has it in the water still. It, is it any less than it's ever been before? No, and, and they deem that it's appropriate. Actually, Woodland. I have a nonprofit that I work with, and it's in Woodland, Washington, which is about 20 minutes north. They actually just in 2013 voted to remove fluoride out of the water. And I'm not sure why they voted that, but, you know, I'm very proud of them for doing that. I, when I first got into politics, it was pretty much in 2014 where I was just so shocked. I was like, oh, my God, there's fluoride in our water. I got to alert the, you know, I got to alert our authorities and let them know that this is dangerous. We need to remove this. And so they didn't care. I sent them a notice of liability. I showed them like, look at it. You know, these are all the warnings. These are all the studies. You guys got to get this out of the water immediately. And they just basically ignored me. And so their excuse was, they said, well, the voters had approved. It's like, this is something that's been approved by the voters. But what happened was in 1960, they basically put the water or they put fluoride in the water and then they put it up for a vote in 1961. So it was something that was already going. Uh, they used propaganda to basically say how it was super great for you. So basically, they they deceived the public. And the you know the public, you know if they're if they're told the truth about things, you know, generally they'll make the right decision. But when they're lied to by their government officials, people have a tendency to trust people that are in authority positions. So you know, of course, majority of people voted to approve fluoride in water. Yeah. Why do you think that people just trust our government without doing their research? Well, I think it has to do with um, positions of authority. I think that we just generally, when somebody has a, a, you know, a title, when somebody's a police officer, when somebody's a doctor, somebody's a city council member, we just have the, mm -hmm. the tendency to just blindly believe that they're maybe superior to us, they're smarter than us, they wouldn't be in the position they are if, you know, if they didn't know these things. And so, you, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of doctors who um, will give you misinformation, you know, like about vaccines, about, you know, uh, uh, various things in, in your book. Just, this is a doctor, this doctor should know something like this, um, but you'll find that they don't. They're, you know, when I've heard that nutrition is something that's very minimal when you go to get your MD license, like I've heard hours for some doctors of, you know, research and yeah. schooling. So. Yeah, I've heard that over and over again too, uh, for medical, the medical profession, that it is very minimal. At first, I, you know, you always kind of want to question what you're hearing, but I literally have been hearing it from tons of medical doctors that they barely even studied that in school. And it just makes me wonder, well, why not? I mean. If, if our body is made of all these different chemicals and vitamins and minerals and all this stuff, don't you think that it makes a difference? I mean, uh, I think people can normally understand that if you have a car and you put better gas in the car, you're going to function, your car's going to function better. So why is it so hard to comprehend that, you know, um, 
your nutrition makes a difference on how healthy you are. So, um, you know, and then the opposite side of it is if we put toxins in our water or uh, our food, et cetera, then how do we expect to have a good functioning body that produces the right hormones and, um, and then neurotransmitters? I mean, you were talking about how fluoride lowers people's IQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I wonder, is that a part of why people can't think for themselves too? I would think that has something to do with it. And I've been pretty skeptical of the medical industry ever since I've started to do research and understand how it operates. Now, once you start going down, say, the rabbit hole, you'll learn that there are certain cancer uh, cures or cancer treatments that have been hidden from the public. And you start to learn and realize that there's a reason why they're hiding these cures. There's a reason why they're not promoting it is because there's no money in a cure. There's money in treatment. And, you know, so there's a lot of diseases and illnesses that can be prevented and and can be avoided if doctors would show, you know, with proper nutrition, with proper dieting, um, you can alleviate a lot of these illnesses. Even, you know, I'll just mention briefly like COVID-19. If if people weren't deficient in certain things, their immune system would be um, more able to fight these things. And so it seems like doctors, medical doctors or, or more, apt to giving you a medicine to manage a disease rather than, you know, cure the disease. And and that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. And, and, you know, I used to get a little upset about that industry. Um, I I kind of still do a little bit, but I I feel bad, actually. I feel bad that these people, there's, I'm sure there's certain um, doctors that go in this profession thinking I want to help people. I'm, I'm sure there's very genuine people that have that heart, nurses, you know, other people that are in that profession as well. And um, unfortunately, are just not really taught these things. They're not even, they're not taught about nutrition. And the other side of it is they're not talking about detox. I mean, detox seems like this bad diet type of thing. But when you have things like fluoride in the water, it, you're, it's obviously affecting your, your thyroid and all kinds of other functions in your body and your pineal gland. Um, we have to get it out. We have to get it out for the body to function. So that, this is why detox is so necessary. Um, you know, my goal with this podcast is for people to realize that how the government and how our politicians make a difference in making these decisions on what is going inside, um, you know, where we're getting the toxin in the first place. It's, it's not just that we, you know, come out of the womb and all of a sudden we're like, huh, let me just find some toxins that I want to expose myself to. It's, it's all over the place. <laughs> it's in the air, it's in the water, it's in the food. And so it's very unavoidable for even people that do try to eat a really nice diet. So let's, um, let's dive into the V word, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I do. Okay. Um, well, wh- wh- where would you like to go with that? Well, okay. So, you know, we have this, this virus, China virus going on this year. And um, I mean, there's so much to say about that. So maybe why don't we first give me your thoughts first on that and then let's tie it into what you think about vaccines okay so now i'm a pretty controversial individual i'm one of the only people in my area politician wise now i'm not a politician but i'm trying to be a politician because i want to help the public and so i'm kind of aggressive i'm kind of controversial there's a lot of things that i will get into just with my uh, amount of research and knowledge that other people won't but as regards to the china virus 
I think, you know, it's fair to say that we were all a little freaked out at first. You know, there was a lot of images from China, people like falling down, yeah. blood all over all the floor. Those. And <laughs> yeah, and it was scary. We were like, what the heck is going on here? And so I think a lot of people were willing to have like a little two week, just kind of break. They're like, okay, you know, it's going to be two weeks. We're all just going to take a little break. We're going to give the hospital some time. And then so, but you know, two weeks became still today. And, you know, I'm the kind of person where I don't trust the government just in the first place. So I only give them, you know, very little room, you know, not even enough to hang themselves, essentially. But you start seeing people post videos of the hospitals being empty. And, and then you, you see, like, on the news where they have just lines of people just waiting to get in the hospital. And the next day, somebody will go and film that hospital, and it's just ghost mm-hmm. town. And so I started getting really skeptical of this. I started watching a lot of shows. And then you start seeing doctors, you know, talking about um, the truth regarding the virus, at least their truth. And then they're censored. Their videos taken off YouTube. Uh, the news isn't doing anything to, uh, uh, to show that people are being censored, even locally. The, the Colombian here in Vancouver, where I live, they, um, you know, any, any smart journalist, anybody knowing um, what's going on around their surroundings would point some of this out, but they don't. And so it just shows you that they're complacent and they're part of the problem. And uh, in Washington state, the, uh, the lockdowns have just been devastating. Our governor, Jay Inslee, you know, he just, when he has been given the opportunity for leadership, he failed. He filled the entire state. He locked everybody down. And you mentioned earlier, uh, pursuit of happiness, right to life. Um, these are things that are guaranteed in the Constitution. And this is part of our Declaration of Independence. Um, you know, we're not, uh, our right to life is basically removed when our ability to work and provide for ourselves is taken away. Mm-hmm. And right. by shutting people inside, by locking people up, you're uh, not going out, you're not getting vitamin D, you're not getting it from the sun, so your immune system's depleting. Um, and, and so it just seems like they're just trying to scare everybody, and they got everybody wearing masks. Everywhere you go, everybody's got their mask on. And one of the only people where I go, I don't wear the mask, and I just see everybody, it just it, it seems like we're in an alternate universe, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm with you on that one. Uh, but, <laughs> I see my stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so you know, getting close to the V word, it's like, I feel personally that the whole mask thing is just to kind of, you know, it's all for control. It's all just to see how far they can push us, how much they can make us do. And so they've got everybody wearing the mask, you know, it's just, you know, and they say, well, you can't get on a plane without a mask. You can't get on a train. You can't go in grocery stores unless you're smart enough to say you have a medical exemption. And a lot of times you get pushed back and get kicked out of stores. And so we've got people by themselves in their car wearing a mask. It's like, what do you, yeah. you know, it seems like a lot of it's virtue signaling. Everybody's trying to show how much of a hero they are and how much they're saving people's lives. When I think anybody with some critical thinking uh, mindset will know these masks do not do anything to stop right. or prevent this virus. <laughs> it's so small. A virus is so small, I can easily see through one of those medical masks. And um, I mean, I I had a video I posted on, on Facebook Live and I decided to take it down, but um, and, and say what happened in a very much nicer way <laughs> than what I did. And so I'll say it now. Um, I flew a plane and I decided I wasn't going to wear a mask because I understand the importance of oxygen. And while they think I'm being rude and, and not being mindful of other people's health, I'm actually thinking you guys are being rude that you're not being mindful of my health because I don't want to lower my oxygen content and create an environment in my body 
where parasites grow and fungus grows and candida grows and cancer grows and the virus grows. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying not to get the virus, okay? <laughs> so I decided, well, screw that, I'm not gonna wear this. And um, it definitely got in trouble and I got escorted out by the police and um, come to hear that the police t actually told me themselves that they're not doing anything about this. They can't do anything. They can't arrest people. Um, they can't find them. Um, you know, I got to a point where I was like, I don't even care anymore. And, um, you know, and, and, to, and then to come to find out they're not doing anything anyway. So I'm like, why are we making such a big deal about this? <laughs> you know, it's so not healthy to be uh, like lowering your oxygen content all day, you know, for people that are, are in these certain jobs that like, I'm glad that I don't have to have a job where they're forcing me to wear a mask every day. But when I go out just to the store, I feel like, you know, I start getting anxiety. My, I mean, I feel the low oxygen content happening. And, you know, and it, maybe it's just because I'm more aware of it because I'm in this industry and we, you know, I sell, we sell liquid oxygen at Cellcore Biosciences. Okay. So it's very much, um, it, it's very much in our face about how important oxygen is. My dad died of cancer. So understanding the importance of oxygen and how it affects cancer, it's huge. So you want to create a, an environment in the body where you, you know, you're going to get something like the China virus. Well, let's lower your oxygen. All right. And let's breathe in carbon dioxide all day. And, um, you know, which is a toxin. It's like one day it hit me. I'm like, this is like drinking our urine and eating our stool. This is a waste byproduct from our lungs. Like how ridiculous is this? And then all this, the bacteria and stuff like that, that's probably in the mass that, you know, if you're using it for extended period of time. So anyways, I can go on and on about why that's not a good idea. Um, but so let's tie this into, so the, the, the V word, the, the um, well, so you think that this is all leading up so that, that people will take the vaccine. Yeah, I do. I, I think that we can see it. We can see the push um, for that. Ge generally with Bill Gates, you see the patents, the nanotechnology that he has ready. The, uh, they have like this Band-Aid that basically will go over your skin and it'll prick you, I don't know how many times, you know, 100 times or whatever with these little micro dots. And you're going to have to have uh, essentially a, um, you know, proof that you're vaccinated be able to. So right now it's like, they're, they're just basically getting you ready for it. They're like, well, I have to have a mask to fly. I have to have a mask to go in the store. I have to have a mask to go, you know, do anything, whatever. Um, then they're going to implement the vaccine. And it's probably going to start out voluntary. It's going to go to the people that are most vulnerable at first. And then it's going to be pushed that it's going gonna, it's gonna to be mandatory. You're going to have to have this to be able to work. You're going to have to have this to be able to fly. And I think we just need to have pushback. So by you not wearing that mask, and you saying no, that gives people courage, you know, that gives people um, encouragement that there's people out there that are saying no, and it makes them say no. Like yesterday, like this lady in the mall, I went there to do a job and she seen me without a mask on and she pulled hers down underneath her chin. And <laughs> so it's just like, I, it made me feel good because like, I wonder how many of these people just really don't want to wear this mask. Right. It's hard to tell. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's really hard to tell. Uh, yeah. how, how many people are against this, but mm -hmm. it's kind of discouraging to see how many people are wearing them. Yeah, it is very discouraging. And well, you'll know very quickly when um, you start getting yelled at on the plane from people that don't agree with what you're doing. <laughs> I was like, okay, that one's not for me and that one's for me. 
Well, and it, it sucks because the employers, a lot of times they don't want yeah, to enforce too. this. You know, they, they're like, well, we have to wear it. You have a medical exemption, you know, whatever. But a lot of them don't want to wear it. And I've heard instances, like I, I was at this GNC the other day, and the general manager said that, you know, if any of his employees try not to wear a mask, that the customers will come in, not all of them, but some of them will, will come in. They'll see the, you know, the, the employee with it just down over the, you know, below their nose or, or, or under their chin. Maybe they're not wearing a mask. They'll call corporate, you know, and they'll, they'll turn these people in. And so it's like we're policing ourselves. They don't even need at this point to uh, enforce it. Like you said, the cops aren't enforcing it. Uh, the governor said, hey, if you got a medical exemption, you don't have to wear it. But these businesses are, are being like uh, forced. They're like, we'll, we'll take your license away. We'll stop you from doing business if you don't enforce it. So they're just making us enforce this against ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and that ties into, um, I, I'm sure businesses are also fearful for not being able to operate because of being shut down for many months too. So. I mean, it just feels like it's one one rabbit hole after the next. And um, how do we put an end to this? I mean, when I saw what you were promoting and what you were you were for, I, I felt like I had hope. <laughs> I was like, at least somebody, you know, in this country is, is you know, wanting to run for government that, that is for these things. And, um, you know, obviously you're just one person and there's so much more out there and there's so many there's so many moving pieces to this, but my theory, um, and, and part of the reason why I had you on the show, because I mean, I, I feel like, well, you know, I have an audience, but it's not like most or anything. It's not like Alex Jones, but I feel like the more that we all play our part, the more that we, we have these little ripple effects and, and, and it, it spreads to the next thing that even, even you running for government, like, let's say you get in, well, now you're a voice in that in that place, and and there's this ripple effect. You might awaken people that are in the government that have no idea. I mean, you just never know. I mean, I come across people in my industry all the time that have no idea even about stuff I think they should know. <laughs> so you know that that we're on the same that we should be on the same page about. Sometimes people are just like I, I don't know about all this, and um, so I, I you know I just I want to publicly commend you for what you're doing. Um, you know I I think you're really bold and being speaking truth and and you know i want to speak on behalf of everyone that's watching and and you know in the country that we are thankful that there's people like you that are, are standing up for our life our liberty and the pursuit of happiness and it this involves dealing with these issues that we're talking about right now well i appreciate that and i think you're right i think there's a lot of people that will see what you know when you have contact with people you have an opportunity to plant a seed in someone's mind and so I'm just trying to capitalize on that. And I know even if I don't get elected, they have to give me a platform, right? And the Colombian's smart. The, normally, I, I've run for a, a few uh, city council positions and stuff like that in the past. And the Colombians always given me a platform because they didn't really know how damaging the things I have to say really are and how they really wake people up. But the Colombian got smart because this election season, they haven't given me any platform. They have interviews with some of the candidates. They don't have interviews with me because they know if they give me that platform, I have the opportunity to wake people up and, you know, especially in regards to, you know, China virus or, um, you know, the V word or, or other things. And so I just, you know, like I said, I'm trying to capitalize on this. If I can get in, uh, I'd love to uh, bring other politicians with me. I've had politicians come up on the side and be like, Hey, you know, I agree with what you say, but I can't say any of the things that you say. Like I can't say this stuff publicly, but I want you to know that I agree with you. And there's people out here that support you. 
And so I want other people to, to see that it's okay to come out. It's okay to speak these things. And the more we do, the, the more other people are going to see that, mm-hmm. you know, that, that they can do it too. And yeah, well, yeah. you know, when I was on that plane and having that little situation with the mask, I, you know, it got to a point, um, actually last month there was a series of events that happened for me that got me to the point where I just didn't care. I was like, well, like on the plane, like, well, what's the worst that can me? I guess the police can arrest me or whatever. Well, maybe it'll give me a platform to preach the truth, <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, the opposite side is if we don't say anything, then this could just spiral into more toxicity and more toxicity of whatever it is, whether it's not having a job or being poisoned or, you know, and, and there's a point where it's like, well, you're either going to die this way or you're going to stand up and you're going to try to save the world, you know, <laughs> do your part. So maybe there's a little bit of hope if we, if we all kind of took that stance and, and whatever we felt led to and called to do. Yeah. Well, totally. Um, I just want to touch just briefly uh, before we end the subject completely. You know, I talked uh, for a second about Bill Gates. Now, he's one of the main progenitors of pushing the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And so if you follow Bill Gates, you'll see that he has a huge track record of experimenting on people with vaccines. Look at Uganda. Uh, He had a tetanus shot where he would give to people and it would it had a sterilization agent that would basically at a certain trimester make the uh, mom abort their own child. And so there was hidden technology in this vaccine that basically make them infertile essentially. And so I believe a lot of this is by design, the toxic chemicals in our food, the toxic chemicals in our water, the vaccines with uh, cancer causing agents that um, will give you cancer years down that road. I think all this is, um, now you may, think that this is a little bit of a conspiratorial uh, remark, but I think a lot of this is in regards to depopulation. Mm-hmm. Now, there's something called the Georgia Guidestones, and it says on there that they want to maintain the world population at 550 million people. Mm-hmm. Now, if we brought the population down to 550 million people, that would be about an 80 to 90 percent population reduction. Now, if we look at papers from Henry Kissinger, I mean, if you just look at Bill Gates, he says openly that he wants to depopulate the world. Um, that, that's his whole goal. His dad was a huge eugenicist in Planned Parenthood. And so he learned from the best. And I would say we just got to understand a lot of this by design. And, you know, so, you know, getting people in government that we know and we can trust and waking up people is just so important. And if anybody's listening in my area, just just like to say, you know, I need your vote because, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get people like myself in office so we can start making changes. We can start uh, addressing these concerns and we can start bringing this out in the open. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, conspiracy theory, that is a huge term that they'll use to discredit people. I mean, back right. with the JFK assassination, we all know that there was foul play. We all know that, uh, that the CIA had been involved in the assassination of JFK. But if they label people a conspiracy theorist, then it basically removes all debate. And we need to bring in the debate. We need to, uh, you know, we need to have a lot of pushback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's segue that into um, your beliefs on on 5G. And what do we we need to do about that? Actually, I want to tell a little story first. So you, uh, we were chatting on the phone and um, you couldn't hear me. And you you asked me if I, because I I said, okay, I'll, you know, let me, try to fix this. 
then you asked me if my phone was to my head. <laughs> I've never, I, I mean, I work with all kinds of practitioners, you know, I work in the holistic health industry. I've never had anyone ask me if my phone was to my head, even though as much as I know that's not healthy. And as much as I know that that's not healthy, I actually had my phone to my head <laughs> until you pointed it out. And I was like, you know what? I better get those earphones. So um, anyways, I thought that was really sweet. And, and it just, to me, it just showed, you know, this guy really cares. He, he cares about this person. He doesn't even know um, of me putting a radiation in my head that could possibly cause tumors. So why don't you go ahead and expand on your idea of IG? Okay. Well, um, in regards to the phone, putting it to your head, I haven't put a phone to my head in a long time, probably been about five, six years now. And I've learned that, you know, cell phone technology can relate to brain tumors, essentially. And they know this. It's in the, you know, it's in the agreements that you sign when you uh, get your phone. Uh, it, it's very readable. It's very, it's information that you can find. And so in regards to 5G, uh, it's basically... It's, it's super harmful electromagnetic frequencies that they're talking about putting these towers 200 feet apart from each other, just expanding the heck out of the whole United States with this 5G. And my opponent, Sharon Wiley, is she's a huge proponent of expanding 5G and wireless technology. And uh, I have a telecommunications company. I do this for a living. I know what the grid's like. I know that our grid and, and 4G is bad enough for your health. We don't need 5G. Our grid is fine as it is. They need 5G so they can implement AI. They, they need these uh, self-driving cars to be able to communicate with each other. Um, I mean, you can see the technology on your house, these whole smart meters that you have on your house, these digital meters. Uh, these things communicate with other houses and they uh, transmit this data back to the government. And they've been able to find out like what you're doing. They can spy on you with these smart meters. And so, you know, in regards to the 5G, we just need to know that these electromagnetic frequencies are very harmful to your health. They can cause cancer. Um, there's a lot of speculation as to uh, if it can uh, make your immune system weaken. There's um, a lot of comparisons. There was a big controversy where people were saying, oh, the coronavirus or the, uh, the China virus rather don't exist because um, people were equating it to 5G. Now, I don't go down that road. I don't say that um, the effects of the China virus are related to 5G, but I do say it's a threat. And there are people local that are voting for me because of my stance on 5G, and, and I stand strong. I think that we need to focus on uh, not being dependent on wireless technologies, and if we could be more hardwired uh, from a, a, a health standpoint, we'd be a lot better off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, these frequencies, I mean, everything plays a role. I mean, we are an energetic being and uh, it's not new age, it's science. <laughs> and, and we're electric. And so on, a, on an energetic level, we can be affected by these 5G towers and um, you know, having these frequencies up into our head and um, close to our body, et cetera. So um, if somebody has more toxicity, if they have more heavy metals or they have radiation, et cetera, when you put these um, these towers right next to the person or you or you're on your cell phone all day or technology it just it can it can just create more of a toxic soup dump that someone is dealing with so you know we're already dealing with these other types of toxins we don't need any more of anything <laughs> in fact we need to decrease it and so it's just another layer that is affecting people's body 
And, um, and some people, they'll, no, they'll notice once they go into the forest or they, they go away from um, all these technologies, they actually feel better. So it's, it's amazing how these things can really affect people. Like when I, when, speaking of the plane, we were talking about that a little bit. When I go on the plane, I, I always get a pat down because I don't want to get radiated. And I, don't, and I mean, this is not necessary. So anyways, I'm, I'm really excited that you stand um, for that as well, too. So, okay, so you're, you said you're a, a small business owner and, um, you know, I think that that's awesome. I mean, tying that back into your story of when you were a child and you were homeless and, you know, you went through so many trials and tribulations and then now you're a business owner, you're running for government. And, um, you know, I've seen you have a history of, of, of really trying to get in and get the word out to people about these types of issues. So, um, you know, what, what are your stance on, on business? And, and the reason why I'm asking this on a health podcast is because our money affects our health. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, that's totally true when you're, when you're poor and you're, you're fighting. I mean, you can see why people who don't have a lot of money, they eat mainly junk food. You know, people say the whole reason why people don't live organic, healthy lives because people say, oh, well, that's so expensive. Um, I'd say in regards to, um, power to the businesses. Washington state is regarded as having some of the most highest um, taxes on businesses in the whole country. They're rated the lowest on, uh, um, you know, and, and for being pro business here because of all their taxes and regulations. So I definitely think that uh, we need to make government a lot smaller. We need to stop regulating businesses. We need to give them the opportunity to thrive. We need to stop raising taxes. I mean, that that's when people, it's sad that, you know, a lot of these politicians, you know, they come into politics and they're poor or, or, you know, just mediocre lives and they come out just being millionaires and stuff. And how does that occur? You know, it just shows you that they're doing the bidding of the government. They're uh, working for these major corporations and they're bringing all this money from the taxpayers and these businesses. And they're, you know, they're doing very little in services back to the public. So I definitely think if the general public and, and these businesses have more revenue to operate, then there's more money that's going to be circulating in our economy. Uh, we know that when people basically are living from end to end, uh, they're, they're holding on to most of their money. And if people had more money, they'd be spending more of that money and it would boost and stimulate our economy. Uh, I, I'm definitely, uh, if I was to get elected, I would vote against any kind of tax increase because I think, now I don't mean to, um, pointing out any kind of political party or anything, but, you know, it seems like left-leaning uh, politics tend to raise taxes, like, in every instance. Every politician that basically is running in the local campaign is just pro-tax, and it seems like, um, you know, there's just so much speculation that the uh, that the Republicans just hate people and, they, you know, they're racist and all this nonsense, but it seems like a lot of the ideologies um, within, you know, Republicans, they want lower taxes, they want more freedom, you know, they want you to have um, gun rights and stuff like that. And it seems like on the other side, you know, they're more apt to take all these things away from you. So I think that, um, you know, there's definitely some good ideas in the left leaning, um, you know, ideologies. I, I do agree with some things, you know, I do think the war on drugs is, it has been a failure. I think that locking people up for drug use is, um, it's not fixing the problem, especially when we find out that the CIA has been bringing in drugs for a long time and then arresting people for using these drugs. So um, I think a lot of it's based on um, 
money. I think that a lot of people in the prison system are basically used as slaves and they, they're there, you know, to make money. The, the prison industrial uh, complex is one of the, uh, you know, it's one of the best businesses to invest in. And so I do agree with the left that, the, um, you know, that there needs to be something done about the, the war on drugs. We need to deal with that more on a health standpoint that, you know, that we don't just lock people up and then kick them out with no resources because mm-hmm. that's just making everything worse. But in regard to businesses, I, I would just say, we need to be more pro-business. We're, we're, a lot of country, uh, a lot of businesses are leaving our country because we're, you know, so steadfast on taxes and regulation. Right, right. Well, I mean, I left California because of that. <laughs> it's like, it was like I started a business there, and then I realized it's gonna be really difficult to do this here because it seems like the government wants to take all my money. <laughs> so it's like I can't do that here. Um, so I, I mean, well, I'm with you on that. Well, in Boeing, um, here in Washington, it's one of the biggest businesses that we have here because of the, you know, the tax uh, environment. They're leaving. They're leaving the state of Washington because of how our state treats businesses. And so that's, that's very sad for our, our state. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, you know, what does that mean? I mean, you, get, you have one side of people that are business owners and then you have the other side that, you know, people have a job. So if we don't have these business owners here, then how are people going to keep their jobs? You know, it goes both, it goes in both directions. And if they're taxed to death, how can they keep their employees? How can yeah. they even run their business? I mean, so these well, are things pass, that are very valid. To, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say they pass all that, you know, all those taxes they'll pass on down to the employee and the customers. And so it's like, it takes a, a big hit uh, on the, uh, on the economy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope at some point that, you know, a lot of people can figure out how to stop that living check, check to paycheck to paycheck. I mean, it's obviously there's a point where you have to be smart with your money and you have the budget and all that. But as a small business owner, I mean, I, I understand the struggle way too well, where it's like you're grinding and you're grinding and you're grinding. You just feel like all your money's being taken away. <laughs> it's like, I'm just trying to survive. Yeah. I have to pay my rent. I got to pay the government. I got to pay this. I got to pay that. And then at the end of the day, I'm like, well, what am I left with? So... Anyway, I, would, I would say uh, to, to add on to that, you know, we have something, we have the Federal Reserve. Now, a lot of people uh, that know anything about the Federal Reserve, it, it sounds like it's a federal um, organization, but it's not. So the Federal Reserve, they're, they're the people who print our money. They are a private bank and they've been in operation since 1913. And so um, what we do is as we print money, more and more and more money that we print, it's all based on debt. So we're paying the Federal Reserve interest to print us our own money. So the Congress was the one that had the authority to print money. They gave and delegated all that power to the Federal Reserve in 1913. Uh, Woodrow Wilson is one of the guys who sold out this country. And he had a quote saying, I am the most sorrowful man. I unwittingly ruined my country. It was because of the Federal Reserve. And so as the Federal Reserve prints more and more money, they inflate our money and the buying power of our dollar goes down. And so if you um, compare the buying power of our dollar, like in the early 1900s, we've had like an 80 to 90% uh, buying power reduction of our dollar. Our dollar uh, has that much less buying power than it used to about, you know, a hundred and some years ago. And so, yeah, the cost of living is is skyrocketing because, um, you know, the Federal Reserve says that they have our best interest at hand, but really, they have the best interest of the elites, the people that own stocks mm-hmm. and interest in that bank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
I'm with you on, on the business part of it too and not being taxed to death. And um, I, I looked at some of these things that they want to increase taxes for and I'm like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm by no means a politician, but I do understand the, the ramifications of being taxed to death and certain things of like, why do we need to tax that anyway? Um, I, I mean, I obviously think that there's a place for taxes because we need to take care of our road, roads and politicians and, you know, there's, there's a place for it. But where do we draw the line with just filling these pocketbooks of politicians and, you know, or, or where, I don't, God knows what it's being spent on, um, you know, versus allowing people to live a quality of life with the money that they are making. So I rather, instead of being forced to pay for, you know, some type of medical system, I rather spend my money on my organic food and supplements. Like, why do we, why did, why can't I make that decision? You know? So anyways, um, before I wrap this up, I, I'm a little curious, like, what are your stances? And I don't even know if this is appropriate to ask someone that's running for, um, you know, for, for a state representative, but, you know, what are your stances on how church is involved? Well, I definitely think that church, you know, there's a separation of church and state. And I definitely think that we need to keep that separation. But I, I think that in regards to, um, say the China virus, we look at the government and they're restricting people from exercising freedom of religion. Mm -hmm. uh, look at New York. They said, hey, you know, if uh, you guys want to uh, basically meet and not have masks and not observe social distancing guidelines and all this nonsense, they're like, we'll shut your church down. We'll, um, you know, we'll take your accreditation away from you. So, you know, that shouldn't take place. I mean, we have uh, freedom of religion. It's, you know, it's in the First Amendment. We have the right to exercise it freely. And so I, I'm highly supportive of that. I'm highly supportive of our Constitution in general. And I think that we need to do what we can to protect these, you know, ideals. But we'll see that uh, politicians think that they can just push and push and push. And if we don't stand up for ourselves, you know, it's basically what you'd call implied consent. If you have a, um, if you have a coffee there and, and I take your coffee away from you and you don't tell me no, then that becomes my coffee, essentially. That's how the government operates. They're like, well, if I take your rights away from you and you don't, you don't come out and say no, then basically I can just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And so I think that, uh, I think we need to protect our, you know, our constitutional God-given rights. Yeah, yeah. Well, and one of the things we think about, you know, uh, as a holistic doctor or holistic practitioner, a lot of times we're thinking about our emotions and our stress level and all kinds of stuff like that. And for, you know, a lot of people, their church or whatever their religious, uh, you know, following is, is their way to de-stress and to find peace. And isn't that, isn't that, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness? I feel like that's totally tied into having life and having, um, and having, well, liberty, I mean, freedom to choose what you believe in, but also happiness. I mean, if we can't, yeah. if we can't be free to worship with other people that we want to worship with and how, how can we you know for some people that's really where they find a lot of joy well and to go back into to, to religion uh, i think that the, what the the politicians are trying to do you know they're trying to take god out of our country and we could see that mm -hmm. you know they're taking uh pledge of allegiance out of our schools they don't want you to say god in our schools they they, they want to take prayer out and you know, you know, in some instances, you'd be like, oh, I can see, you know, some credibility to that, you know, people that are atheists or people who aren't religious, we don't want to indoctrinate them. But but at a certain point, it's also an attack. 
because a lot of people don't understand our constitutional rights. They were given to us by God. And the whole, whole ideology behind that, it means that um, God gave us our rights and nobody can take our rights away because, you know, they are created by God. And so if the government and politicians can take God out of this country, then they can basically say that your rights don't come from God. Your rights come from us. And so we have the right to take them away. And so we just need to make sure that we keep God in this country because, you know, God has a lot to do with our, our right to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, our right to self-defense, mm. you know. And, and so if we take God out of this country, we're essentially not America anymore. Mm. Wow. You couldn't have landed the plane more beautifully. <laughs> that that was such a w great way to sum this whole thing up. I mean, I mean, seriously, without without God, we have nothing. And um, where does our where does life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness even come from? You know, it comes from God. It's it's man can't give that to us. We have this God-given right inside of us. And so, you know, I think being able to have um, politicians like you. Um, I'm declaring that you're going to get in. <laughs> I hope so. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually it's going to happen. I, I can see it. You know, you just keep pressing through. And um, I'm hoping it's sooner than later. I hope this time around that, you know, you can really just go in there and, and just be that shaker mover. So, anyways, thank you so much, Justin, for coming on the show. Do you have any last words for people? Um, you're running. Tell them exactly what you're running for, where, and um, where they can find you. Okay, so I'm running for the uh, state of representative in the 49th legislative district. That's in Vancouver, Washington, Clark County. Uh, my opponent, she's Sharon Wiley. She's a hardcore uh, liberal Democrat. She's been uh, basically a career politician. She doesn't really have a lot to bring. She's been in office a long time and, and really hasn't done a lot to help the people. So um, I really want to get in there. I want to help get you know some of these career politicians out. And I, I think you're right. Uh, I think at, at some point I'm going to get in here and, and it's all about getting in, getting like-minded individuals in office and, and protecting our constitution because our constitution is under attack. You can see that the, uh, you know, the Antifa, they'll be out there preaching no borders, no walls, no USA at all. And that's what they want. I mean, they want this to be a communist country. Uh, they want Bernie Sanders in office. They want this to be a socialist country. Now, I mean, socialism, it just sounds so great. You know, it, it sounds so awesome until it's implemented. And then they go door to door to door and just execute people because, you know, you know, when you're a communist state, there's no accountability to government. It's all just a big oligarchy. Now, look at China. They have mobile execution vans. If you speak out against the government, I mean, they'll just knock on your door, pull you out, execute you in a van and have your organs on the market in, you know, in Japan yeah. in two weeks. And so, you know, if we don't want to end up like that, I mean, look at every example uh, of socialism being implemented. It's always been a failure. And and that just kind of shows you that it clearly don't work. And so, you know, that's why we need to, need to get people in the office that, you know, care strongly about our Constitution, about our rights. And we really need to make uh, freedom and liberty uh, popular again here in the United States. We need to start teaching these things to our children. And we need to start indoctrinating our children with freedom and liberty. We need to quit uh, allowing the left uh, in the, you know, in the socialists, basically to indoctrinate our children, to, to teach them to hate America. And so that's what I want to do. I want to just get in here and fight. And, uh, and you can find me on Facebook. You can find me at Twitter, Justin Forsman. Um, yeah, I'm out there. 
Thank you. And thanks for having me. Uh, yeah. You know, I feel like your last name is so, um, and as a Christian, we call it prophetic. Like it's just, it's so, you're four men <laughs> and, um, you know, you really care about people and, and that's, you know, you're so bold and standing up for these things. And again, I, I thank you. I thank you that you're for men, you're for liberty, you're for, you know, wanting people to be healthy and, and really just protecting um, what, what our forefathers have come in and really set forth to do here in this land. Well, um, hey, um, blessings because the government cannot take that away. No, uh, yeah, definitely. So. All right, you guys. Well, that concludes our show for today. I am super grateful for Justin Forsman and what he's doing, and he's going out there shining light. So if you're in Vancouver, Washington, make sure you, you know, give him a little vote over there. And um, we'll return again in a few days. I'll be continuing my women's health series. So, all right, take care, you guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Wellness Trinity podcast. Be sure to subscribe for more wellness tips to help you achieve optimal health. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you on the next episode.